0: Welcome to another life changing message from Pastor Vernel JR Sample of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website, www.h4gchurch.com. Turn with me to Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. If you can read from the NIV. Therefore if oh therefore if you have any encouragement if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort from his love if any common sharing in the spirit if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but... Each of you to the interests of the others. This is what a culture of equipping and empowerment looks like. You see, in a culture of encouragement, I mean, in a culture of empowerment, there was a culture of encouragement. Because as we desire to see each other whole, to see each other operating in their gifts and in their callings, that means that my joy is going to come from seeing you emerge and step into that which God has already called you to do. That my excitement is going to come when I'm seeing someone else who didn't know what they were called to do. When they didn't know what their gifts were. They didn't know what they were anointed to do. To see you all of a sudden rising up in that grace gift that God has put in you. And that brings us excitement. It's not just in me shining and in me doing all the work and getting all the glory. No, my glory is in seeing you emerge in the glory of what God has put in you. And in that type of environment greatness is encouraged that we're looking to see the gold in each other not the dirt we're looking to see each other step into what god has called them to step into i'm i'm excited about you coming into the fullness of what you were created to do that's what a culture of empowerment looks like and when we're equipping and empowering each other to challenge each other to grow up in what they've been called to do. We start moving like as one. We become like-minded. Become like-minded. You know why? And we become like Christ because that was Christ's mindset. Christ desired to see everyone around him powerful. Most of us don't believe that everybody can be powerful all at once. <laughs> That we think that if, especially our leaders today. Because if someone begins to become a little bit too anointed. More anointed than the leader. Then the leadership is threatened. And we have to shut that gift down. Because. We created. We have a paradigm in which the leadership is supposed to be more powerful than everybody else. But according to Jesus' blueprint and example, Jesus said, the works that I do, you're going to do, and greater works than these. How could the Son of God say out of his own mouth to his followers that you're going to do what I'm doing and then more? He had a mindset of empowerment. That his desire was for you to stand on his shoulders and then you'll move on to do greater works. So we can all be empowered. We can all be empowered and still love each other, still serve each other. Still support one another and not feel threatened. By each other. This is what the kingdom of God is. We have a king who served us. We have a king who was a servant. And in his desire to serve, it was to see us mature into our own greatness. In the world, we honor people who are already great. But in the kingdom, we honor people into their greatness. We believe the best about the people around us. We expect greatness out of the people around us. Come on, look at somebody next to you and say, I expect greatness out of you. (laughs) Yeah? And in the, in the kingdom we honor people into their greatness. Yes. It's like that coach or that that person who sees a kid in the in the playground practicing and he he has a he he sees potential in him. And he comes alongside that kid and say I see greatness in you. So I'm going to keep I want to coach you. I want to train you. I want to see you make it to the majors. I want to see you make it to the league. I want to see you make it out of this, this place. And so what happens is, is that sometimes you can see potential in people that they themselves may not even see in themselves. And, see, and, and you n- need to realize that you need people outside of you to begin to tell you things about yourself that you may not even see about yourself. That is important to understand of why you need the body of Christ. Because you can't expect the heathen or the world to see what God sees. But you but in the body of Christ, we are given the lens and the perspective of heaven so that we can begin to see the high calling in each other's lives. And we can love people and honor people into their destinies. Isn't that exciting? That's why a church should be the most encouraging place on the planet. Amen. If you come to church and leave depressed, something is wrong there. Church should be the most encouraging place. Why? Because we're believing the best about each other. Own interests. So watch, what, it was, what was the verse? Go back to the, what was on the screen. We're not looking to your own interests. So you don't come to church looking for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Look at the next verse. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Or like we just said, let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus. Because that's how Jesus related to his, his disciples. That's how he related to his followers. And that's how he still relates to us today. The Holy Spirit is not a voice of criticism. He's not a voice of condemnation, but the Holy Spirit is a voice of encouragement. Do you realize that? Conviction is different than condemnation condemnation is an act is a function of the law Con- condemnation is a function of the law the law condemns but the holy spirit comes alongside you and he convicts condemnation and conviction can feel the same way it can feel the same way but the difference is that when the when, because condemnation says no what you're doing is wrong conviction might say what you're doing is wrong But conviction has attached to it the spirit of encouragement. That the Holy Spirit says, no, what you're doing is wrong because you're better than that. What you're thinking is wrong because you have the mind of Christ and Christ doesn't think that way. The Holy Spirit will check you and correct you and convict you because he expects more from you because he knows what he's already done in you. But condemnation says, it points out what's wrong in you. It points out the faults in you, but does nothing to empower you, to help you fix what's wrong with you. That's what the law did. So under this new government of grace, this new administration of grace that we are all in, in Christ, we must recognize how important these two things are. Encouragement and empowerment. We encourage each other and we empower each other. And your greatness is my greatness. As a leader in this in this church, I don't expect you to come to this church to fulfill my dreams. My desire is to see you fulfill. Your dreams in God. I want to see each and every one of you walking in your purpose, in your destiny, in your calling, in the God-given dreams that's on the inside of you. I want to see you moving in that at the highest level possible. That my desire to push you into your greatness is not because I want to get something out of it. It's because I want to see God get the glory out of you. Every leader in this house must have that same mindset because that was the mindset of Christ. And guess what? Every one of you in this place, you're a leader because we are a church that's developing leaders. <laughs> we don't just want a crowd to gather here on Sundays. We want to raise up and develop a people who carry the spirit of leadership, not the leadership style of the world, but the leadership style of the kingdom. And in the kingdom, Jesus said, how do we lead? How do we be great? We do it by what? Serving, 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 serving. And so what I want to do right now, I want to show you something according to what what Jesus did for us. Look at what the Bible says. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ, have the same mindset that was in Christ, verse 6. Verse 6, I'll read it, but I I have a different version. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bond servant and coming into the likeness of men. He made himself, go back, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great one, made himself nothing in order to bring us into his greatness. There's something about when you take on the, the, the form, the form of, of, a, of a servant that you have to take off the desire to be celebrated. You have to take that off in order to make the person that you're serving believe in themselves. Because 80% of the battle of, of transforming and equipping people is empowering them with the right beliefs about themselves. And then when you come alongside people and what you are showing them is how great you are, how intelligent you are, how accomplished you are, that has the ability to deter people from believing that they can arrive to where you are. But when you put that to the side and say my my glory, my greatness has nothing to do with your potential. Because people to people comparison is one of the greatest reasons why people don't step into their own destiny. Because we are too busy looking at each other instead of looking at the one person who holds our destiny. And that's Jesus. So I'm showing you Christ and I'm showing you who he sees you to be. And I want you to put that mindset on. Now, is there any people in this, is there anyone that Jesus has low thoughts about? Does Jesus have thoughts of insignificance in anybody, towards anyone? No, I know the plans that I think, (laughs) the plans that I think are to prosper you, to give you an expected end. You will never see in scripture God show up to anyone and have something negative to say about them. Look in the Bible. When God came to Gideon through an angel, the angel said to Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. That was completely opposite to what Gideon was saying about himself. God shows up to Moses, tells Moses, Moses, you're going to be a mighty deliverer. Moses had excuse after excuse why he shouldn't be what God said about him. Isn't it amazing? I, I, I believe it was Marion Williamson who said, Our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we're more powerful than we could even imagine. Our own greatness scares us more than our weaknesses and our inferiorities. You want to know how great you are? And you want to know how much potential you have? Jesus said in Matthew 5, look at Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5, I'll read it. I'll just say it. Matthew 5, Jesus said, be perfect. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. I was saying what Jesus said. Be perfect. Perfection. Perfection is what God expects from us. I want you to think about that. It's quiet now because everybody's saying, nobody's perfect. I can't be perfect. Only God is perfect. But guess what? You were made in his image. You were made in his likeness. Perhaps the reason why none of us are perfect is because we have been looking at ourselves as imperfect for too long. Perhaps one of the reasons why we're not maturing And moving on to perfection, as the Bible teaches us to do, is because we still see ourselves as unqualified, unworthy, unholy, incapable. And we've exalted Jesus and put him on a pedestal that we comfortably refuse to strive for. Because it's a lot easier to say, well, he's Jesus and I'm little old me. Give us our excuses. And that's the veil that Paul said that keeps us from seeing him as a mirror. Behold him as a mirror, the glory of the Lord so that I can be changed into the same image. If he's perfect and he says I was made in his image and likeness, then that means his perfection is actually a reflection of who I'm supposed to be. But if I'm not striving for perfection, I'll never, uh, I'll never attain it. What did Jesus say to do? Be perfect. Everybody say be perfect. be perfect. As your heavenly father is perfect. <laughs> uh, I think it was in, uh, I forgot what series it was. We talked about perfection. And I said that uh, perfection... Uh, perfection lies in our perception. Perfection lies in our perception. I was talking about how every one of us has a different definition of what perfection is, or each and every one of us. Uh, somebody might say, "Well, what's the perfect movie?" If I was to ask you what the perfect movie is, I'll get probably eighteen different answers. Or if I was to ask you, "What's the what's the what's the um, the perfect date like?" You'll we'll have different answers, won't we? The perfect bag, the perfect shoe, the perfect hairstyle. Every one of you will have different answers, right? Because perfection lies in the eyes of the beholder. That you have your own interpretation of what perfection will look like, right? So that means we cannot use our own analysis and assessments to decide what perfection is. So we won't understand what that word perfection means if we're trying to use it, if we're trying to arrive to a definition based on our own preferences. Because God made us all different, all unique. So what is perfection? What does perfection look like? Perfection cannot come from my own interpretation of it. But if perfection lies in perception, then that means perfection equals God's perception. How God perceives a thing to be perfect is perfect. God defines what perfection is. (laughs) So even when you look at Matthew 5, look at at where Jesus draws this from because he says, therefore. So anytime you see the word therefore, you need to see what it's there for. (laughs) So look back a few verses. I got a few minutes. That's good. No, go back a few more verses. Yeah. Verse 30, go to 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Right? That was what the law said. But I tell you, how many of you know that Jesus gave us commandments that were higher than the commandments in the law? The 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 law commanded us to love your love your enemy, hate your neighbor. We'll say we gotta go back to the law, don't believe them. Because the law gives us a reason to hate people. <laughs> the law gives you a reason to stay immature. If i I'm, because if I'm keeping the standard of the law, I have excuses to be discriminative, to be judgmental, to be biased. what Jesus did was eliminate all of that so that you can attain perfection. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Keep going. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. (laughs) Love your enemies. Pray for the people that persecute you. So that means Jesus is not asking you to do something that God himself is not doing. See, God, he's not asking us because, and many Christians still think God hates his enemies. Many Christians still believe God doesn't love people and that God will release judgment and, and release pain and release destruction to a people that don't serve him. But if Jesus is asking you to do something, he will never ask you to live at a standard that God himself doesn't live at. You cannot live better than God, can you? You cannot be more loving than God. So if God says to love your enemies, it's because God is loving his enemies. <laughs> I know I just shot down most of your religious strongholds right there. God is loving his enemies. The people that hate him, he's loving them right now. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is interceding for the people that want to persecute you right now. That you may be children or you're going to be just like. What is, what is it about the children? He wants us to be sons of God. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. We are being conformed into his likeness. And so a part of this, this, this transformation that's happening in our lives is that God is, 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 is bringing us into this thing called perfection or maturity. Because what the Bible calls perfection is maturity when something is perfect, it's mature. It doesn't mean you don't have any, any, any capacity to, to uh, err again. It doesn't mean that you no, you no longer have the ability to never make a mistake again. What perfection means is maturity. And so he says, "Love your neighbor. I mean, love your enemy. pray for yours to persecute you, that you'll be just like your father. Are we sons and daughters of God in this place? Okay, this is what sons of God do. This is what the children of God do. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not even the tax collectors doing that are do, not are not even the tax collectors doing that verse 47 and if you greet only your own people <laughs> the people like you, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. be perfect. therefore, as your father is perfect. so when Jesus taught perfection, he pointed out love. That if you're going to be like God, who is perfect, you have to love. Because God is not only perfect, God is love. So the height of your maturity and the height of your development, the height of, your, of, your, of you coming into the fullness of who you are, is by learning how to love without restrictions. <laughs> Amen's got low. See? But character and maturity, when we preach equipping and empowerment, we're not just preaching ministry, we're preaching maturity. Because you can be gifted all you want. You can be gifted all you want. As a matter of fact, some people think their gifting is means maturity. No, it doesn't. Because your gift's coming out repentance. I'm not impressed by how prophetically accurate a person, a person is. I want to see their life. I want to see their character. Because your gifts may make room for you, but your character is what keeps you in those rooms. And I'm, you're going to realize your gifts, gifts, that's the easy part. Right? You, you can't, you, you can impart a gift, but you can't impart character. Right? You can't pray for someone to get character. That person has to go through a process in which character is developed. Yeah? Your gifts come easy, but character requires work. And most people don't want to embrace the work that's required of them. Because once again, my gift's coming out of repentance, but character has to come in repentance. <laughs> I learned, um, my, the gift, gifts is what God has given me, but my character is what I'm going to give back to God. I'm going to stand before him and he's going to say, Not that, he's not going to talk about how much demons I cast out. (laughs) He's not going to talk about how many people I prophesied to. He's going to talk about how much I know him. How much I know him and how much he knows, how much of himself he sees in me. How much of him is he going to see in you at the end of your life? Jesus is coming back for a mature church. Not just an anointed church. But a church that's high in character. A church that has grown up in love and has pursued perfection. If perfection is not your goal, you will never arrive to maturity. You'll always have an an excuse as to why you can slip in to the things that God has already delivered you from. See, character requires deliverance. Re- character requires correction. Character requires confrontations. It requires that stuff. Character requires exposure. So, one reason why people don't like confrontation in church is because it exposes. And then we want to have an excuse. Let me... You see, you want to know how dangerous gifting is without character? You can raise up an R. Kelly. A person with a gift that no one ever confronted, his character. So without character, your giftings will always lead to failure. Come on. Your character is what keeps you. And I got to intend to work on that part of me. Because my character is who I am when no one else is looking. And I remember when God began to deal with me about my character. I didn't like it. (laughs) That's the vegetables. (laughs) The the carrots and the spinach, the kale, the eggplant. I don't like eggplant. (laughs) Squash. (laughs) The character is the carrot. But listen, this, this, is, this is what Jesus is looking to develop in us in this season. Character. He's bringing you through a process of character development. And character is not developed in times of ease. It's in hardship. It's in distress. It's in pressure. Come on. It's in times of inconvenience. That's when character is shaped. I know we love our comfort. (laughs) I know we love being comfortable. But when God is doing to to develop us in this season is to bring us into uncomfortable places, into uncomfortable conversations with people we may not want to be comfortable around. And you have to talk to them. And you're going to have to speak to them and spend time with them. Because he's trying to bring the best out of you. Say, Lord, shape my character. Develop my character. Help me to mature. Help me to become perfect as you are perfect. Come on. realize Perfection is attainable, church. Perfection is attainable. I want to break that stronghold down from you right now. Perfection is attainable. God has called you to be perfect. God has designed you to be perfect. God created you to be perfect as he is. But perfection is his perception of you. Whatever he says about you is perfect. And whatever he says, he, you can do, you can do. And so I, I know he called me to love, so I'm going to love the way he says I can love. And when I can't, it's because there is something there that he needs to perfect in me. Some of you are mature in some areas and immature in other areas, right? So we all got some developing. We all got some growing up to do, me included. But what I'm not going to do is make an excuse as to why I can't live the life God called me to live. Grace is not an excuse to sin. It's an excuse not to sin. Because he's empowering me to actually live the way he said I can live. Amen? Amen. So as I close, Ephesians 4.11, where I said I was going to start. I guess I'll come back to this next week. (laughs) Ephesians 4.11, hurry up. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, why? for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to a what? to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we're not just preaching ministry. We preach maturity. Because he first part of the equipping is for your ministry. But the last aspect of it is about your maturity. It's about you growing. The Bible says in stature. Into the fullness of Christ. Sameness of Christ. Likeness of Christ. To become a perfect Bride, a perfect man or woman. And the last day church is going to need maturity to survive. As a matter of fact, one of the markers of the last days is that there will be a mature people in the earth, a mature church. He's coming back for a mature church, not an immature church, a church that's equal in stature with him. A church that has power and has purity. A church that has the image and likeness of God. We have authority and we got character. Why so many Christians don't look like Christ? Why don't we look like him? Why don't we love like him? Why don't we talk like him? Why don't we heal the sick like him? Why don't we cast out devils like him? It's mainly because we don't believe we can be like him. That's all. Be holy as I am holy. You can be because he is. When you see him as a mirror, you will be changed. Put this mind, let this mind be in you, which was in him. And he didn't count it ain't robbery to be equal with God, but to put on the, the, the image of a servant in order for you to come into everything that he is he became your sin so you can become his righteousness thank you for that one clap he became <laughs> thank you come on so let's laugh at the lie that I, that we can't be perfect right now let's laugh at that lie <laughs> some of you didn't laugh come on <laughs> Let's pull that stronghold down. Amen. Woo. We weaken, we're going to weaken that, that lie because I know it's going to take time. But as quick as you can believe this thing and repent and let go of the myth that you cannot be like Jesus. I want you to buy your heads and, let's, and I want you to pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, your word declares now that you sent us apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists to equip each other for the work of ministry, for the building up of your body, to come into unity and to come into maturity. That we will no longer be children tossed to and fro. That we can finally become stable. We can be secure. We can be mature in who we are in you. We will not be carried away with every other wind of doctrine out there. Every philosophy out there. But by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, we are going to be able to learn the truth, speak the truth in love, and grow up in all things unto him who was the head, Christ Jesus. That the body is going to be of equal stature with the head that we are going to be just as strong as the head. We're going to be just as built as the head. We're going to be just as mature as the head. You're coming back for a mature bride, a mature church. Father, we give you permission now to work on our hearts and to develop our character so that we can mature in love and become perfect as you are perfect let perfection be our prayer in this season give us courage to pray into perfection ha, and to remove the spirit of mediocrity the spirit of passivity every other spirit of delusion a seduction that talks us out of being mature in Christ into your image And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll remove every lie, every veil that prevents us from seeing who we really are in your sight. Mm -mm. And that our image will be redeemed and our likeness will be restored. And that we can truly be your sons and daughters in the earth doing greater works than you. So we thank you, Lord, for doing this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.